Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and I'm doing a bit of an impromptu episode here because I just finished watching Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks and Miami Heat. Man, it was crazy down the stretch. Miami had the lead most of the game. It ends in a lot of bizarre calls at the end of the game, and, and Milwaukee ends up tying the game after a weird foul called on Goran Dragic that sent Chris Middleton to the line. They tie it up, and then with double zero on the clock, Giannis Antetokounmpo is called for a foul on Jimmy Butler. And the foul, I mean, you would think in that situation the refs would look the other way, especially with a star like Giannis person that's going to be a two-time MVP after this season. But they call the foul. Jimmy goes to the line with double zeros on the clock, hits two free throws, gives Miami the win and a 2-0 lead on the number one seed Bucks. So why would that spur me to do an impromptu episode on a Bulls podcast? Well, if you've been paying attention to this podcast or you've been paying attention to me on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at mgentile88 or at rebuild underscore a underscore bull. If you've been following those Twitter handles and you've been following this podcast, you know my thoughts on where I think the tide could turn for the Chicago Bulls. And it's the summer of 2021. The summer of 2021, and, and I think most of you Bulls fans know this, you're smart. And if you're an NBA fan, you, you know this. That free agent class in the summer of 21 could set up to be a very large pool of free agents, big-name free agents. Both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can opt out of their contracts with the Clippers and could be free agents that summer. LeBron James is poised to be a free agent that summer. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, they're poised to be free agents that summer. Although both those guys are, are a little more on the decline. Uh, another person that could end up in that free agent class is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is actually poised to be a free agent this offseason, but given the potential cap flux and it might not be a very desirable free agent situation or climate to be in. So there's a lot of rumors and reports floating out there that Anthony Davis might consider a one-in-one contract, meaning signs a contract with the Lakers, gets some big money, plays there in 2021, and then has the ability to opt out of it and enter the free agent pool again in 2021. And then, of course, there's Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is also set to be a free agent in the summer of 2021. And that, to me, is the biggest fish in the class. And if you're the Chicago Bulls, there's an opportunity to really turn the tide that summer. Now, I'm not saying you have to land Giannis, but when Giannis enters the class, jumps in the pool, it creates more options for you. You know, you have more players at your disposal to build around this team. And we're looking at the the forecast of the Eastern Conference. It's open. It's there for the taking. Boston's got a really good young team on the rise, but they're beatable. They're not world beaters yet. The 76ers have taken a step back. The Toronto Raptors are really good, but you know they might be a player or two away from really breaking through again to title contention. 
The Nets are an intriguing option with Kyrie, KD, Dinwiddie, Levert. They're an intriguing team, but is that going to click? We don't know. Kyrie is a is a wild card. He's a question mark in everything. So it's not certain that they're going to be a, an Eastern Conference contender yet. So each of those teams, and you can even throw Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat in there. It's not like any of them are poised to be perennial title contenders as currently constructed. You know, one extra move could change that. As you're even seeing right now, there's no definitive hands-down favorite or two. It's almost like there's multiple teams that that could make the finals every year out of the East. So it's it's very fluid, which is good if you're a Bulls fan or of any other team in the Eastern Conference for that matter. As it relates to our Chicago Bulls, I feel like they're in this position that the Nets were in a few years ago. It's now time to kind of turn the tide to be a competitive team. And I feel like we're, we're seeing them head in the right direction. If anything, this was the perfect time to make a move in their front office and at the coaching staff. This was the perfect time to do it. Because... There's an intriguing core four of players. Laurie, Zach, Wendell, Kobe. Those four guys are very intriguing pieces. Okay, and I've brought that up on many podcasts in the past. They're intriguing pieces. But we don't know what they're like collectively yet. We don't know where their ceilings are exactly. You know, we're still trying to learn. And part of that is because we've... We had a, a front office here in Garpax that really didn't put them in that best scenario to get the most out of them and think about it they decided when they fired Fred Hoiberg that they were going to hitch their wagon to Jim Boylan and that was a big mistake because by hitching their wagon to Jim Boylan they wasted about a year and a half to really get a good look and to know what the ceiling was for each of those guys okay because Jim Boylan didn't do anything to help develop them to grow them Okay, if anything, he just held them at status quo or even brought them back a little bit. I feel like in the case of Larry Markkinen, he went backwards under Jim Poylan. And I think had Garpax actually done the right thing this past summer and opened it up coaching search and gone after a Monty Williams or, you know, whoever the name is, found a head coach that could bring out the most in these guys, we would know a little bit more about them. Because look, because even just at face value, without development, I think it's even safe to say Zach, Lowry, Wendell, and Kobe all can play in this league. Those four guys are going to have solid roles in this league. It's just how good can they be? That's what we need to know. And my opinion is you got four solid young players. Can one of them breakthrough to be even just a number three if you had a championship team could one of them break through to be a number three meaning an all-star caliber player not necessarily a superstar but an all-star caliber player you know could that be Zach could that be Laurie could it be Wendell could Wendell be Al Horford 2.0 you know that's what we need to to figure out And so how does that relate again? Going back to the discussion about 2021, I feel like right now the the Bulls are in this very favorable position because now you finally have a front office 
then I'd be able to do two things. One, bring in the right head coach. First and foremost, bring in the right head coach. One that knows how to set up that player development strategy with you and is in lockstep with you. And two, I trust this front office to evaluate, to know who's here to stay the course and who's not. I also trust them with that core four. How do you maximize them? If we want to grow them, I also trust them to surround them with the right complementary pieces. And I brought this up on Twitter. Bring in more shooters, more 3 and D guys around that core four, and then you'll really see what you got in them. And we know Otto Porter Jr. is is a stereotypical 3 and D guy. We just need to see it consistently. You know, and it will be up to AK and Mark Eversley. Is he worth keeping here this year? Does he help that unit grow? You know, if he does, great. If not, go find somebody that can. Because you cannot waste the 2021 season. That's for sure. You can't waste it. I understand there's going to be people out there, and I've already gotten this from other Bulls fans. They think that AK and Mark are here to blow it up and start from scratch again. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think these are four solid core players. You should be able to develop them into a playoff contending team. Because really, that's all it takes. And I I brought up the Nets analogy earlier. The, The way the Nets did it was a little more calculated. And they actually used the trade market. They gathered, you know, draft capital and assets, found young players, brought in different complementary pieces, good role players. The Bulls didn't really do that. Garpax didn't do that. Garpacks were not creative with this rebuild. When they traded Jimmy Butler away, they, I thought, made the initial move you would make when you trade a star. They didn't do all the other moves. They didn't acquire more draft capital. They didn't bring in more young assets. They didn't try to you know, get creative in how they could bring in different players, bring in big salaries to acquire draft picks. They did none of that. None of that. But the good news, the good news, you are in the Eastern Conference. And this is where I think it does kind of get similar to where the Nets were back in 2018, 2019. Okay, that season, they were a team that had a lot of really solid core players. Not superstars, but solid core players. And what they ended up doing is they made a big jump to a team that got into the playoff picture. And they were a very competitive team in the 2019 season. You know, they, they were led by D'Angelo Russell, who was, again, all-star, fringe all-star caliber player. Not necessarily a superstar, but a very good number three on a championship team, which is something we hear a lot about Zach Levine. Number three player maybe on a championship caliber team. And I, that's where I think the Chicago Bulls are right now. I think they have that kind of roster makeup. It's going to take, though, adding more complementary pieces to suit those other guys' strengths. And I think that's where the Chicago Bulls are heading in, in the 2021 season. So I am optimistic. You know, sorry, Bulls fans, I am optimistic. I know I love him. You know, Salim Surtawala, he's been on our podcast. He's from the Bulls Gold Podcast. He's come on our podcast, I think, now four or five times. I think it's four times. And look, he he and I are usually in lockstep on a lot of Bulls opinions. He's definitely not like me, I think, when it comes to how quickly I think the Bulls could become a desirable destination for players. 
thing is, perception becomes reality. The perception of the Bulls is starting to change. I think that's starting to change league-wide. You now have a big boy front office, one that's growing. It's becoming an actual NBA-caliber front office, one that has, one that's going to have a larger emphasis on scouting, one that's going to have a larger emphasis on analytics, one that's going to have a larger emphasis on player development from top to bottom. That's something that never happened under Garpax. That's changing, and it has names with some cachet. Karnaschovas, Eversley are two respected names in the NBA. And now you can add a head coach that has equal cachet. Whether it's somebody that's that's been a head coach like Kenny Atkinson or a new guy, an assistant right now, doesn't matter. Does that person have cachet and respect of players around the league? That goes a long way. Jim Boylan didn't have respect from players around the league. Garpax did not have respect from players around the league. And so now that perception's starting to change. And I really do believe that a year from now, if the Bulls get into the Eastern Conference playoff picture, which I think they have a chance of doing, it's going to give them a crack. You, you know, we're, we're wired right now to think that Garpacks are still at the helm. And I, I get the Reinsdorf family still here. I know there's times where we, we can't stand the Reinsdorfs, but you know what? The Reinsdorf family doesn't always step in. They don't. We were kind of getting worried that they were with Jim Boylan, but they really don't. They don't step in. They let their guys do their job. So when it comes time to meet with a free agent, have the Bulls put themselves in that desirable position? And that will be the million-dollar question. I'm hoping that's the case, and that's what I am pulling for and consistently pounding home. If you are the Chicago Bulls, that should be your main focus. Put yourself in that position come 2021 to get a seat at the table. That's the most important job right now. Get a seat at the table. You should be able to meet with Giannis Antetokounmpo. You should be able to meet with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, whoever it is. Pick one of the names. When the pool gets bigger, you should be able to meet with every single one of them and give yourself a chance to at least sign one of them. Because to me, that is, the, that is the key to moving this thing along. Now, you also can get creative. One thing we never saw Garpax do, and I hinted to it earlier with the way they handled the rebuild. You could use the trade market. Garpax really never got creative in the trade market to add star or high-quality players. AK and Eversley might have that ability. So if a disgruntled superstar hits the market, maybe in the middle of next season or in the summer of 2021, as more players are moving around, there's a player that gets upset because one of his teammates left or you know he wants to be in a better situation. Right there's an opportunity for you to go make a run. So the, the thing to look, I want Giannis. I've, I've made no qualms about it. If you've been listening to this podcast since we started, and it's crazy to think that it's been <laughs> we've been on this long, since April of 2019, I've thrown out a lot of hypotheticals to our guests about what if Giannis becomes a free agent in 2021. So I think you kind of get where I'm at. I really would love to have Giannis on the Chicago Bulls. I'm also very realistic, okay? And like, you know, Salim Sudawal has brought it up too. Like, Miami seems like a likely destination 
for Giannis. And, you know, teams like Toronto and Golden State even might be more viable and, and more appealing to somebody like Giannis at that point. I do not deny that. And there's a very good chance he'll go there if he doesn't stay in Milwaukee. But what I'm looking at is options. Give me the most amount of options. Give me a pond filled with all the fish, with all the big fish. You know, don't don't give me a pond with one or two decent sized fish and then a bunch of, you know, little guppies. I want all the big fish in one pond. Okay? Give me the most options available to me. Don't limit what's in the pool. So that's why I'm all for this chaos. I'm all for Milwaukee being down 0-2. And I'm sorry if I'm I'm gonna piss off people that root for the Bucks or are Bucks fans. I, I love it. I love it. I love the fact Jimmy Butler, former Bull, is helping us out. Indirectly, he's helping out the Chicago Bulls. He's helping out a lot of teams in the league. Like, it's, this is not a scenario that's exclusive to the Chicago Bulls. I'm well aware of that. But at the end of the day, I am a Bulls fan. And I care about where this team's going. And come 2021, I want the most options available to the Bulls. That's it. I, I want the most options available to... Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. I want them to be able to put together their whole list of potential guys to target. So that's why I'm totally fine with Milwaukee getting bounced and Giannis questioning whether or not he wants to stay in Milwaukee. I'm fine with it. I'm cool. I'm game. I want it to be a fun summer. And I want it to be one where the Chicago Bulls look to be active. You know, when I when I created this podcast, the whole goal was to talk about current situations and how they relate to the long-term outlook of the Bulls, the Bulls' outlook towards championship contention. And in my mind, that would be a big step. They've already cleared a, some major hurdles. New front office, we know there's going to be a new coach. The next hurdle is developing the core four. And then after that, How are you going to get the big fish in? How are you going to reel in the big name, the person that's going to be the catalyst? Is it going to be in the trade market? Is it going to be in free agency? And in my opinion, you could do that sooner rather than later. You don't have to tear this thing down to the studs again. You could use the trade market. If if you identify that Laurie Markkinen is what he is, and you figure by, you know, whenever the season starts, let's say it's a few months into the season, the front office determines that Laurie Markkinen, at best, is Danilo Gallinari. Streaky. He's up and down. Then if you want to trade him, go for it. Recoup some draft capital. Maybe bring in an expiring contract. Do what you got to do. But there's no need to blow this thing up and, and go the route that Garpax did and tank. I don't think you need to tank anymore. I think we're beyond that point. I think there's another way to do it. When when Jimmy Butler was traded in 2017, I brought this up on Twitter. One of the reasons Jimmy Butler ended up getting traded was Garpax had put themselves in a situation where they couldn't find a way to surround Jimmy with any quality talent. They made piss-poor signings. The best they could do was Wade and Rondo. The only person outside of Jimmy that they could trade for any value was Nikola Miritich. And what did Miritich end up netting them? Omira Sheik's 
bad contract and a lottery protected first. So think about that. They put themselves in a situation where they had to deal their best player because they were so over their head and were not adapted to the way things were working in the NBA. They couldn't find ways to bring in valuable young pieces around Jimmy. Couldn't do it through free agency. Couldn't make any trades of value. They certainly had lost their touch scouting. You know, they were having trouble finding valuable talent in the middle of the first round. Three years before that, they made the genius move of trading up to get Doug McDermott. They struck gold with Jimmy Butler in the late first round of 2011. But outside of that, they really struggled afterwards finding valuable players in the middle and the later parts of the first round. They, they did not have their fastball anymore. They literally had to give up their best player, an all-star. Maybe not a number one, but certainly a damn good number two. A top 15 talent. They had to trade him because they couldn't do anything else to surround him with valuable talent. If they had kept Jimmy Butler here in 2017-2018, it would have been a freaking disaster. I truly believe that. It would have been a disaster. <laughs> because I know Jimmy said that, you know, he would have probably forced his way out was because of Fred Hoiberg. And had they changed the coach, he would have been okay and never left Chicago. I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> I think Jimmy knows what he likes. Like, Jimmy's found a good home in Miami because Jimmy fits the Pat Riley mold to a T. He's tough-minded. He's a self-starter. He's exactly the kind of guy that fits in a Pat Riley-run organization. But if he was still here, if they had never traded him, I feel like he would have forced his way out at some point because he would have been frustrated at what Garpax would have done. He would have been surrounded by just absolute crap. They would have been trying to sign stopgap old players to try to make him happy. They would have trotted D-Wade out there again. They probably would have trotted Rajon Rondo out there again. I mean, where, where would that have taken you? It probably would have taken you nowhere. And so if you were the Bulls, like, you had to find a way to get quality players around him, you know? He wanted to play with, with Kyrie Irving. That was the rumor. And Kyrie Irving was had the Bulls on a short list. There were reports out there. I know Joe Colley was the big name reporting that at the time. But the problem was the Bulls didn't have anything to give up for Kyrie Irving. It's not like the Cavaliers were going to take Dwayne Wade and his bloated contract or Rajon Rondo if they had opted to, to keep him. You know, who, who would they have traded? They didn't have the draft capital. So those kind of moves were never going to happen. They were never going to get the star talent to go with Jimmy, you know, unless they did their job, acquired young talent because they scouted and put more emphasis on international scouting, got creative to find young pieces in the middle and later part of the first round, decided to sign guys that were on the fridge, maybe kept a Spencer Dinwiddie instead of letting him go. Because you need to have R.J. Hunter on the roster because you already had a logjam with Michael Carter-Williams. Had they done their jobs, like most executives do, 
Jimmy Butler would still be here. But the reason I'm bringing that up, and and I'm sorry for going on a bit of a tangent here, I don't anticipate that. Because my point here was, I don't think the Chicago Bulls, under Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, need to tear it down to the studs. I don't think they necessarily need to go to that extreme. Because the key difference here is you have four capable, young, high-ceiling players. And coincidentally, that actually makes them somewhat more attractive. Let's use Wendell Carter Jr. as an example. We don't know what Wendell's full potential is in this league yet. But most of us know that there's a work ethic there. He's a solid young defensive center. He has the potential to develop a little more of an offensive game. Be nice to have him at the top of the key being able to take jumpers from the mid-range, stretching him out to the three-point line, giving him more opportunities down low. He just hasn't been given that opportunity yet. But we know that there's something there. He's still a nice piece of clay that you can mold. Kobe White. Kobe White right now is is a fun shot chucker, right? He, he's a high-volume shooter. You know, he's a, he's a streaky scorer. And he was kind of fun at times, right, last year. And he started to seem to come into his own a little bit. It's, you know, his shot got better. But there's still a lot of untapped potential there. And as Bulls fans, I... I would say we like what we see. We know there's more there. Laurie Markkinen. We know there's something there with Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen hasn't taken steps forward. And I think a good chunk of that was on your head coach. Was on Jim Boylan. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Laurie isn't at fault in some aspects. There's certain parts of his game that haven't developed. And that's on him. Part of that's on him. But... I also know that Laurie Markkinen was trending in the right direction before Jim Boylan became the head coach. His first year was pretty impressive. The beginning of his second year, he was pretty impressive. Once Fred Hoiberg got fired, things went south. Other than a nice month stretch in February 2019 that, you know, a lot of people made a big deal about. He regressed under Jim Boylan. Because Jim Boylan just said, hey, Laurie, go stand at the three-point line. That was it. It reminded me of when Luol Deng struggled under Vinny Del Negro because Vinny Del Negro didn't maximize Luol Deng's strengths. Tom Thibodeau came in and Tom Thibodeau said, Hey, Luol, I know that you have a defensive prowess. I need that from you every night. And oh, by the way, on the offensive end of the floor, don't be afraid to stand in the corner by the three-point line instead of just hovering around the baseline. He turned Luol Deng into a solid shooter from three-point range and made him an all-star caliber small forward. That's just an example of how a coach can actually bring you back to where your ceiling is. And I think there is a a pretty decent ceiling with Laurie Markkinen. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Dirk Nowitzki like some people were trying to paint. I, I don't know if that's there. Can he be a shade below Kristaps Porzingis? Possibly. Possibly. 
I just don't want him to be a poor man's Danilo Gallinari. But I think with coaching, it will certainly help. And then there's Zach Levine. Zach Levine has done enough on his own to show you that he's on the fringe of being an all-star. So imagine if there's a coach in here that can bring it all together. Bring out the best in each of these guys and develop them as a collective unit. And that's the difference between the scenario with with Jimmy where, where it was tore down to the studs. There was nothing here. The cupboard was bare. It was just Jimmy. Okay. Now, Jimmy, the only difference is Jimmy was an all-star. Jimmy was a top 15 talent. And you should never be trading away top 15 talent. I do agree with that. But this team was such a freaking mess. Such a mess. And these four guys are not anywhere near that caliber. I'm, I'm admitting that. They are not top 15 players in the league. But they're certainly high upside players in the league. And you have four high upside players in the league. It means that whoever you identify as maybe not being part of your future core, you could maybe trade them, get some cap relief, trade them, get some draft equity, trade them for maybe the next piece that you want to add. That's the difference. Okay, Nikola Mirotic wasn't like that. Bobby Portis wasn't like that. Denzel Valentine back in 2017 wasn't like that. So you couldn't do that three years ago. I think with that, with these pieces here, you can do that. So I think it's a little different. I don't think Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have to necessarily tear this all down to make it work. I definitely don't believe that. Because I believe with those four, you can get some development out of them with a coach. And if you maybe put more of an emphasis to find more 3 and D guys and more shooters on the floor in in the offseason, you might be on to something. You might be able to build a competitive team to go to the playoffs in 2021 and make this a very attractive destination and get a seat at the table with the top free agents. Sit down with Giannis. Sit down with Kawhi Leonard. Sit down with Paul George. Maybe sit down with LeBron James. I don't think LeBron's going to want to leave LA, but you never know. You never know what, what could happen. The NBA changes in the blink of an eye. It's one thing that we should all learn. It's why you can never say never. Overnight, teams can change. The direction of an entire conference can change in the blink of an eye. Right? King James dominated the Eastern Conference for eight, nine years. The minute he leaves, it's wide open. And it opened up possibilities for all these other teams. So things can always change. And for the Chicago Bulls, maybe maybe I'm being overly optimistic. But you know what? We've been afforded that. We've been given an optimistic outlook because there's been notable change. You know, that's, that's the beauty. When you make a change in the front office and you decide you're going to make a change at head coach and you're really showing that you're choosing to go forward instead of staying in your stuck ways that you've been in for 17 years, yeah, it does change your outlook. And maybe I do have too much of a rosy outlook. I know, I, you know I, I've been picked on on Twitter. I've been getting a little little heat for saying that I'm enjoying the fact that, that there's maybe... a potential for friction to be created because the Bucks get bounced. I'm all for it, man. I love the chaos. I love when this happens in the NBA. 
I love when these guys all want to want to find new homes. It makes it fun. And you know what, Bulls fans? This is all I'm saying. Why not Chicago? Why not? Why not? As a Bulls fan, this is just my opinion. We're all different, I guess, in how we root. But in my opinion, I want my team to be competitive enough to put themselves in a position to get the best players possible by any means necessary, at any cost. That's my methodology. So for me, that's the end game. That's the end game for me. So as we get into these future episodes of the Rebuildable Podcast, we're going to do deeper dives into the offseason, into this coaching search. You know, we're starting to learn more. We know that, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, some of the candidates we've been hearing for a while, Kenny Atkinson, Wes Ansel Jr., Ime Udoka, they're on that short list of potential head coaches for the Bulls. But there were some interesting names, too, that popped up. One name to keep an eye on is Dan Craig from the Miami Heat. Dan Craig's path to an assistant coach and path to coaching kind of mirrors Eric Spolstra. Started as a video coordinator, slowly worked his way up in the organization, and has been on the coaching staff in Miami for a while. He might be a name to to really keep your eye on for the Chicago Bulls. Because if you add somebody like that, I'd be very intrigued. Player development is a big emphasis in Miami. You know, they like to build from the ground up as much as they can. Like a lot of their teams, uh, you know, aside from the big three roster they put together, most of their teams they've had throughout their history, especially with Pat Riley there, has been identifying key young pieces to fill out a roster, finding complementary pieces. And I think that would actually be very beneficial for the Bulls because you do need some of that. You need to have a coach that can identify strengths and weaknesses of each player. And I also like the idea of having influences from the Denver Nuggets with with Karnaschovas and and you know some of the guys that he's brought in from from Denver to be in the Bulls front office. I like the Toronto Philly connection from Mark Eversley. And you then add in that Miami influence. It's not bad. If you're a Bulls fan, that would be a very interesting hire. So there's some interesting names to keep keep your eye on. Once the head coach is here, then we'll have to look at, at the draft. Get a deeper dive into, into who the Bulls might take at number four. Or, or will they make moves on draft day to maybe move up, move down? We'll see. And then free agency. What will free agency look like for the Chicago Bulls this year? It's not like they're flushed with a ton of cash. Best guess is that Otto Porter is going to opt in with his contract, and that's a pretty beefy contract. But could they potentially move some pieces like Thad Young, Tomas Sadoransky? Maybe try to move Otto Porter? We don't know. There are some things that, that will be very interesting this offseason, and I think it will all tie into the summer of 2021, the offseason for 2021. I think all of it's going to play a major role in that offseason, which I think is going to be a turning point potentially for the Chicago Bulls. So I can't wait to dive into more of that as we go through the, the Bulls offseason, as we get through the rest of the NBA playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to break it down with all of you the rest of the way, whether I'm flying solo or with a guest. So thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.
listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts.